Hi, my name is PK from Almost Inevitable Design, and this is a $2.4 million podcast where we talk about web design, web development, and WordPress. Just a heads up, I might be using a bit of profanity at times, which is why I checked on the explicit tag. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd appreciate it if you left me a good rating on iTunes and Spotify. And if you have any questions, feel free to come down to almostinevitable.com and leave me a comment. Also, if you have any friends who need to hear this shit, go ahead, recommend it, and share it. Okay, we are back again. Um, oh, so I almost forgot, and this is because I just remembered. Because when I'm recording, I forgot about it, but then um, when I'm editing, I realized that the music, the, the intro music that you hear, it is from a good friend of mine who I met through almost having this podcast and doing uh, and having that courses those courses css courses offered and stuff so yeah we we um um he offered to make me uh some music for this he's a musician and his friend is also a really good musician um they're they're both good musicians sorry (laughs) you're both good musicians anyway so uh, they made this music for me and i'm using it so shout out to lp and zach thank you very much uh i'm gonna try to tag them in whatever post or whatever but anyways and um yeah so thank you very much and let's get on with the um uh, podcast episode 040 also known as <laughs> episode 40 i don't like people saying aka well all right let me let me just clarify that i don't like the phrase aka being used um in I don't know in a in a non cool or I don't know so in when people say AKA in some I don't know it doesn't sound like the right context then it just I, I just it just bugs me so I just say I, I just yeah awesome. sorry anyways so episode zero four zero also known as AKA um, forty sorry all right uh, the title is real solution number nine now. Uh, why is it called Real Solution Number Nine? Because today we are going to talk a little bit. Uh, well, I am going to talk a little bit about um, above the fold call to actions. All right, and let's try to think of some real solutions to this. <laughs> All right, now the title Real Solution Number Nine is a song off of White Zombies. Astro Creep 2000 album. It is not from the year 2000. It is actually from the year 1995. Um, when I first heard More Human Than Human, it was so good. That slide guitar intro was so good. And um, I just had to have it. And the thing is, because um, this, this is high school, and in, I was in Korea in high school, and back then, Korea was just, well, still is, but still, uh, back then it was even more uh, conservative and um, they try to censor uh, the ladies um, sounds <laughs> it sounded very sexual so more human than human it had a very sexual sounding intro and I think they cut that out in the um, in the version that came into Korea so I, I asked my dad who had a seminar in the States I asked my dad to get me uh, white zombies Astro Creek 2000 luckily Astro Creep 2000 sounded a lot better than White Zombie's previous album, Lost Exorcisto. Music to, what is it? Music to, what was it called? 
fuck? No, it's not. Uh, Devil Music. Yeah, sorry. Last Exorcist of Devil Music Volume 1 was the was the previous album. It had Thunder Kiss... Uh, 60, ugh, I keep forgetting all these title songs. Uh, th- Thunder Kiss 65, that's right. Black Sunshine, Soul Crusher, all that, all that good stuff. But Astro Peep 2000 was even better. It had More Human Than Human. It had Electric Head and um, Supercharger Heaven and all that kind of stuff. It's awesome. And Real Solution Number 9 is a song off of that album. So I got the CD from my dad and it was good. <laughs> he didn't he didn't know about the he didn't know about the sex sounds. Alright, so <laughs> sorry. Alright, so um before we get into this whole um uh, call to action stuff that we can we're gonna talk about, um a little bit of update. I don't know if you care. I don't know if anybody who's listening cares, but I'm just gonna say that and talk about what's going on. Uh, I've had a really intense few weeks in the past and um, I'm sort of out of the woods for now. So I think I have about a week before, a few days at least, before I get back into the crazy um, development stuff again, like new websites coming in. It's not been uh, finalized. So I'm waiting for that to come back and I'm waiting for some dumbass client feedback on some stuff that They've just disappeared because I asked them for uh, a f- final feedback, which I'm not even going to do most of it because they asked for stupid shit. But anyway, so yeah, that's I'm just waiting for that stuff to come in. So I have a few days to make some more content. And that means that I'm working on my um, website, almostinevitable.com. I'm working on a, a redesign and I am also working on some new courses. Of course, I was working on the SAS course, but I need some beginner courses before uh beginner courses really soon um and i'll i'll explain why sometime but for now yeah uh so yeah i'm very busy (laughs) with my stuff and you know what it's not as uh tiring or it's not as um you know like it's it's way more motivating if you're doing your own stuff and 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 you don't you're not as stressed because you're watching like netflix while well i only watch I, when I'm doing other stuff, I have a sitcom on, and I end up watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine a lot. And I think I've watched the whole series, like all six seasons and the seventh one, um, three, four, five times already. So, enough about me. Let's get into uh, the real solution about Above the Fold. Now, um, I do have some links that I am going to refer to later on, but right now, without any of that, let's just talk about what that kind of stuff is, all right? Now, uh, above the fold is a term that the fold, all right, so the fold, let's start with the fold. The fold is a term that uh, print design used to have, newspaper print design used to have. It meant if you have a newspaper, you, fold, you need to fold it up into half in the end, ultimately. So it goes on the newsstands, and the main headline of that newspaper, the, of that day, or the previous day, I guess, because newspapers, you need to print early in the morning. So, yeah. Um, so the main headline of the previous day would be the largest H1 um, on the front page, which is um folded 
in half, top and bottom. So fold it horizontally, top and bottom. So the top part of that front page of the newspaper will show. So that H1 is above the fold. Does that make sense? Yeah. Everybody, well, I mean, I'm sure most of you who are listening to this, who have, you know, web design, web creation, web development um, skills, or at least want to learn or whatever it is, you know, I don't think you'd be listening to this if you have no interest in web. So I'm going to assume that you know, sort of know that, know that, right? Um, here are some little things that I think you should think about when doing this, when considering where the fold is. Um, now, if you're a designer, I've seen this happen a lot from designers who I think just haven't thought about real life implications is the best, nicest way to say it. Um, a not nice way is designers who just haven't thought about this. <laughs> so um, above the fold should be, it's like, all right. So when somebody asks, oh, what size do I get? Do I do the proofs? I always say um, between 1600 and 1920. I use 1920 a lot myself. Um, sometimes I use 1800, depending on the client, I use 1800 or 1600. If it's a client who has no idea how things will work and they will just most likely uh, look at it on their phone and they'll be like, why is this so long? I can't read anything. Then I make it a little smaller than that, like 1600. But um, 1900, 1920 is usually where I, where the, uh, the, the largest screen size is because Full HD monitors. Now we do have a lot of 4K monitors, but full HD monitors are 1920 by 18, 1080. So a lot of people start with that number, and they think the fold is at 10, 1080 vertical height from the top, so 1080 deep. It is fucking not. It is fucking not. And if you think it is, just fucking check your screen, man. Come on, fucking check your screen. Now, the reason why I keep saying this that you need to check your screen is because 1920 by 1080 is full HD size. That is the largest and the most common desktop screen size you will get. If you are using your website, using uh, the browser in full screen mode, all right, let's just assume that the person has it in full screen mode. Not many people do nowadays, especially on a 1920 uh, full HD screen. But let's say you are you are browsing in full screen. You still have the browser tabs and the address bar on top, and that amounts up to about a hundred to two hundred pixels. So that is that means you are losing about two hundred pixels from the top. You will have effectively at best about eight hundred pixels. Um, I normally go for about seven hundred seven hundred something. Uh, if you read the articles that I have linked later on, and I'm gonna mention this again, they say 600. And I think that's a good height. Now, when I actually make my hero sections, I use something like 45VW for most of them. 45VW would be 45% of the width, which gives us a slightly flatter than two to one ratio, because that is the safest way that you can keep the hero section up in uh, above the fold. Now, what is the fold? Like I said, above the fold, right? 
uh, the fold would be the bottom of the screen, bottom of the browser when it first loads, when the website first loads, right? So it's similar to newspapers, but you get you get what that means, right? Now, um, people think that you need to have the headline copy, uh, the H1s above the fold, and uh, the main call to action CTA button above the fold. So you most most templates mo and also a lot of those um, run-of-the-mill local uh, two-bit SEO quotation mark experts who I call annoying dumbasses. Um, now if you're a really high-end SEO guy, great. But if you're not, if you're not, and if you get offended by this, just learn. All right, I'm doing my research. Just fucking learn. All right, just stop, <laughs> all right, just stop, stop getting angry at me. Stop, stop saying stupid shit that has been disproven, and either learn or go check yourself. All right, now, I've, I'm saying stupid SEO people because I've had stupid people who happen to do SEO tell me this. And I have to tell them, fuck off. All right. What it is, is they, they end what, so this is the main template that everybody has. Like there's an image on one side and um, it doesn't have to be like an image on one side. It can be a background image and have that focal point on one side. And on the other side, you have overlaying text. If you have like a black overlay behind the text, like bonus points for you for bad design. But there's this certain look that I so hate. <laughs> Divi amateurs have such a certain look that I hate so much. Anyways, um, what is it? <clears throat> uh, text on uh, image, focal point of the image on one side, and um, you have text on the other side. There's an H1 on top. There's only one H1 on that page, H1 on top, and then you have like a subtitle copy, like a paragraph or half a paragraph, and then you have a call to action, then you have a, maybe another secondary button. Now, if you actually, now that's what that's what people say. And if it doesn't look like that, they get angry at me and they tell me, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. And I'm like, fuck you, I'll do it because client says okay, but I really don't think so. And that's where we're gonna go to, right? So having that call to action button above the fold, do you think that works? I think not. Let me explain. This is the main idea of the whole uh, podcast episode. The call to action button above the fold is not very effective. Okay. Now, from my point of view, my personal point of view, let's start with that. Okay. And then we'll get into the numbers to crush the, their souls. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I should have called it Soul Crusher from, from White Zombies Las Exorcisto Devil Music Volume 1 album. There's a, there's a song called Soul Crusher. Uh, I'm in White Zombie mode now. Um, oh, but White Zombie uh, broke up a uh, few years after this. This was their ma last major um, studio album, and then they have a few. Uh, they had a live album, like a, and, and then a remix album and stuff like that. But this was the like, they had two proper studio albums, pretty much. I don't know about the first debut. Well, I don't know. So they had two really good studio albums, and then they just disappeared. Rob Zombie did his own stuff. Rob Zombie, uh, while uh, with with like new people from like previous Marilyn Manson guys, the band, and he's he's doing really well. He's really cool. He makes movies and stuff. Um, 
And I think they kept the same drummer. They have John Five. Um, and the, the bassist, Sean Yassault, I think. The bassist lady for White Zombie. Um, she is now a photographer. Yeah. Cool. So that's not important, but talking about soul crushing. So, so, so if you're, um, so if you think, if you had thought, uh, the, having that call to action on top is like the most important thing, uh, it's not. I don't think so. And I'll show you why with links and data. Okay. Now, here's my own perspective on this and why I thought so. And then luckily, thankfully, I found that the data agreed with me. So fuck all y'all who thought not. Okay. So um, from my perspective, once I get on a website, the first thing that I do is of fucking course, check the heading, right? H1. I read that. Then what? I scroll, right? People scroll so much. Scrolling is the one thing that everybody in the world, except for the Amish, know how to do and what it does, right? Everybody in the world who is connected to the internet knows about scrolling, right? So, and, and some, some websites and some apps have infinite scroll. Facebook, Reddit, they have infinite scroll. You never run out of scroll. You know, like it just goes on and on. So it is all about scrolling, right? So if you land on a website, would you scroll to see more content about what this fucking website is? Or would you click on the first button it shows you so you can go purchase that shit? No. No, you probably go check other stuff. Now, granted, granted, if you are going to a website just to do one thing, all right? If you know exactly what you're doing when you go to that website, having that button there might help, all right? And I think that is the only time that call to action button is being used, all right? But why do you even, even need it there? If there's a very specific thing that people who come to a certain website always do, why not have that in the header as a call to action button in the fucking header, right? I think that's way better. That is way better than putting it in the hero section because that's gonna get scrolled and go away, right? So there's almost no use of having a call to action button above the fold. That is what I think. That is how I see myself on a website and I truly believe that to be correct. And luckily, like I keep saying, luckily the data says, yeah, PK, you're right. Fuck those guys, all right? Now, <laughs> can you tell that I'm sort of unhappy with SEO people telling me wrong information and dictating that? So I just tell them no, either no or will you do it. Can you prove your theory with numbers or do you have data to back that up and they they just keep going on so i just let them do it well you fucking do it and then they break the website and like see fuck fucker anyways let's keep going so 
Uh, now, why... Oh, we talked about why. Yeah, we talked about why. Why we... Why the first... Why the call to action button above the fold is useless. It's because people want to scroll and also because if you click that button, you know something's going to happen. You're not ready for that yet. Why not? Because you need to be fucking convinced. Right? Even when buying a new type of cereal, you look at the box, like on the back, and then put it in your cart. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's what my daughter does when she buys cereal. You know? When I buy beer, I look at the numbers. I need to know how many standard drinks are in there, how, how what the alcohol percentage is before I buy it. You know? Unless I know what I'm buying, right? Unless I know exactly what I'm buying and, and I don't need to worry or, or care about what I need to do, I mean, about the, the product or the purchase or the, uh, the call to action, the action that I'm taking, unless I know what I'm doing, I will check. I need some sort, as short as it can be, some sort of information, convincing, something, right? So... That call to action button above the fold, the first thing that you see, no, that's fucking stupid. I think that is stupid. And I don't think that helps at all. All right, now, what do I think works better? I think having the call to action button near the footer, not at the footer, but near, not exactly the section right above the footer, maybe not, but like, I don't know, significant enough that you see just when you know you come to the footer when when you see like the footer-ish looking part of the website and then you go up just in under one scroll like you can have like a vertical not for horizontal menu in between or like social media buttons in between or whatever maybe you can have a larger like half screen size footer right and then above that okay so I think call to actions work better if it's lower. Why? Because you've been convinced to do something. All right, that whole section, that whole page, whatever it is, doesn't have to necessarily be a sales thing, but it is still a pitch. All right, whether it's even a personal portfolio, it's a pitch. It's showing what you do or showing what that. It's, it's convincing the user of what the website is supposed to do or what the website can do for the user, whatever it is, right? So it should be there. Now, that is why I personally fucking hate and almost, not almost, absolutely never use infinite scroll, <laughs> okay? If you're, and remember I said Facebook and Reddit have infinite scroll? because they don't need call to actions. If you're logged in, that's it. You're, you're logged in, you're scrolling, and you're seeing ads, and that's it. You don't need to have a call to action. The call to actions that they have is uh, right under the header or it's in the sidebars in Facebook. That it, at best, right? Or they have like a static header, static ad on top, but that's about it. They don't have, they don't have a footer. If you, if you notice that, Facebook does not have a footer. I fucking hate infinite scroll because you cannot get to the footer. All right. Now, if you have the call to action uh, near the footer, uh, near the bottom of the page, after all the pitch, after the pitch is done, 
people aren't going to read much. They look at the head headings, they look at the pictures, and they keep scrolling down. And around the around when they're almost done, they make up their mind about something, and then that's what you can click. All right, now, do I have any um, extra data for that? I don't necessarily can. I can't necessarily say I have extra data, but here is what I do have. I have some Google Analytics that I've seen from um, WooCommerce websites, and WooCommerce websites, and I have uh, I've seen a lot of high-functioning e-commerce websites and stuff, and that's that that's that's enough for me to know that the above the fold buttons are useless. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, what I've seen, what what have I seen? Well, the really interesting thing is. There's a it, on some some websites that I've made. Um, I do have a button on top, but what I did is, as you scroll down around the bottom, where I think is ideal, is the main shop or main button where people go to the product or the shop. And from from the Google Analytics of uh, acquisition, what is it? A uh, page behavior. Uh, in the behavior, like in Google Analytics, you have like um, this uh, big block for home, and then you have green arrows going to showing how how much how, how how much of the percentage of people go to the next page and all that. The behavior, um, if you look at that, they definitely click on those buttons and not the other buttons because they don't go to the, those pages. The numbers show that they go to those pages that I that the call to actions are on the bottom for. You know. So I'm pretty sure that works. Another thing that I've noticed a lot, and you can actually see this on my fucking website, which I just had to pause for a second there because I'm not sure, I think I might, rec I think I recognize that name, but someone just bought a course, the whole package. Uh, so, uh, what was it? Yeah. So. Oh yeah, if you go to my website on the course pages, um, on the bottom of the website, on the bottom of the product page, I actually have add to cart button, an add to cart button. And I've seen that in a few places and I was really impressed by it. Now, why? Because, all right, so I fucking hate this. I fucking hate this. I'm gonna preface this by saying I fucking hate this. All right, but um, there are a lot of, there's a lot of e-commerce in Korea. I'm going to talk a little bit about Korean internet sometime in the future because it is such a different environment, which is why I don't develop uh, Korean websites. <laughs> I just can't. I just cannot. But things that I've noticed is, um, so in order for e-commerce to work well, you got to have, um, you got to have a good, shipping and Korean delivery is just like every like we've like Korea's had we've had like one day like within 24 hour to your doorstep shipping for over a decade okay so and it costs like three dollars and if you buy anything more than thirty dollars it's shipping is free most of the time 
and at best, like the heaviest shit box that you can get, $5 to your doorstep. And if you're not there, uh, the, the security guy will take care of it in, in the of the apartment building complex or whatever. So suffice to say, there's an infrastructure, social infrastructure, because Korea is small. Like if you can drive from Seoul, which is like uh, about 30, 40 kilometers, so that would be 20, 30 miles from the DMZ and Seoul, the border of Seoul is really close. And Seoul so is like the top, not the most northern, but almost top northern part of South Korea. And Busan is uh, the southern, southeasternmost. So it's like uh, diagonal from Seoul to Busan is five hours, four hour, four and a half hour drive. So Korea is a pretty small country. It's like the size of Indiana, I think. I think that's what it is. Yeah, the tenth of the size of Queensland. But anyways, so it's really small. Uh, that's why, um, and there's a lot of people there. There's a fucking shit ton of like 50 million people there. So suffice to say, delivery is fast. All right. So they, they have the infrastructure to get really good e-commerce there. And so that kind of stuff has been around for a long time. And that's why you actually, a lot of people just buy their clothes online. Right. And, and that's like the fun thing for them. <laughs> it's, it's a, such a different culture. Anyways. Um, so those websites that like women's fashion websites, there are like a shit ton of them. What I've noticed, and this is because I've, and one of the things that I've noticed is because um, these people, some, some clients have asked, demanded that is they want, they show a bunch of images of that article of clothing, right? If it's like a coat, just like, a, like 20 images of this cute chick in that coat walking around wherever with like a Starbucks coffee, a latte, and just, just chilling with their sunglasses on and just walking around, just being cute, you know, like an Instagram model stuff, right? And at the bottom, I've noticed, like, see, if you get to the bottom, it is a long fucking scroll. It is like 10,000 pixels or more, 15,000 pixel scroll and then you need to go all the way back up to buy it because the purchase button is on top. So what they what people have done is they've actually um, either have, well, for a while, they, they've had the scroll back to top button and people are used to that. Another thing that I've noticed, and this is when I started being impressed by that, uh, was that they actually had another section on the bottom, and not, not just section on the bottom, in between after like three four scrolls you have in between those images you have the purchase now buttons and i thought that was fucking cool it's like whenever you're you're scrolling you're scrolling you're scrolling you're scrolling and what that scrolling is doing for you is you're actually um this became a woocommerce thing you're you're actually convincing yourself to buy it that's what's it that's what's going on like you look at a a coat you think oh i like that and then you look at someone who's obviously working out and you know look great and just being chill being cool and you're like yeah just like vicariously wearing that coat or whatever it is right and 
you keep looking, you keep watching, you keep seeing that person wearing that clothes, and you're like, yeah, 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 and then you're like, all right, all right, I'm convinced. This looks, I think this will look good on me. I'm gonna get this. So whenever you feel like that, that button isn't too far away. You don't have to go all the way to the top, it's somewhere. You keep seeing that button while you're going down, and then either at the end or in, in between somewhere, you have that button, you can just opt into that button. So I think, and I'm, I know that works better. All right, that works better. So let's get to some links and let's, actually, let's talk about actual links, all right? Now the first link that I have is from Neil fucking Patel. Neil Patel, the godfather of SEO and the, the, the shouting godfather. That guy shouts a lot. All right, so uh, the article is why the fold is a myth and where to actually put your calls to action. So this, it's not, it's on neilpatel.com, is not written by Neil Patel necessarily, but I think it's written by this guy, I don't know how to pronounce his name, his or her name, uh, B-N-O-N-N, Benon, I don't know. Uh, but it actually says, uh, the call to action right above the footer gave the page a 304% lift. Yeah, they, they have numbers. They have numbers and they have uh, um, data, statistics and links, references to this. So this guy basically says um, call to actions above the fold is not only uh, very cliche, but it really doesn't work and it's useless. Why? Because people scroll. And the reason, the most important thing is you need, you need to convince them. You need to get people on board. Now, here are some really in interesting numbers. All right, so I'm, I'm just reading off of some part of this article. So it says, uh, Nielsen has shown definitive, definitively that only 20% of people read below the fold. All right, now, that's not too surprising because that's the bounce rate. Uh, but 80% of user attention is focused above it. How can a CTA that only gets 20% of attention instead of 80% possibly convert better? Now, besides what he answers, I can answer that myself, even just from that. Just because people see it doesn't mean that they do an action, right? Just because you see it doesn't mean you get an action. You have to be convinced to do an action, all right? Now, let's, I'll, I'll keep reading. Um, here's another very important thing that you can see, uh, you can learn from this article. Uh, let's see. Um, we don't need, uh, let's see, where is it? Here we go. David Ogilvy's research into the readership of advertisements all the way back in the 60s showed that only 20% of people read past the headline, right? In the 60s, right? Also, on average, five times as many people read the headline as they read the body copy. Another thing is, research shows that readership falls off very rapidly up to 50 words of copy, but drops very little between 50 and 500. So, let's think about this. Now he goes through some math and stuff, but that's not important. Let's think about this. 
people who go past 50 are the people who are in for the long haul. They're hooked. Between 50 words and 500 words, you have to state your case. Um, of course, those first 50 words might be important in getting people on your case, but you're still going to lose a lot of people who lose interest after a few words. So that does not, but that does not mean that they're going to take an action in those 50 words, right? Because unless you're there to do a specific thing that you've already made up your mind about, like my friend uh, going to three different websites to get a quote for his wife's windshield and just contacting them with a copy-paste type of quote request, then yeah, of course, that he would, he's gonna look for the contact form. So have that in the header. You don't need it in the, uh, in the hero section. That doesn't help. It's in the header, you can find it anyways, all the time, on any, every page. That's way better than a one soft call to action above the fold in the hero section. You know, so yeah. Anyways, so yeah, um, that's very that's very interesting. People read up to fifty words, but then the people who stay after the fifty words, you have you have them hooked up to at least about up to five hundred words. Something really interesting. So um, just have a have a read on this Neil Patel uh, article. It is a little bit old, but it's very important. And here's the main, main takeaways from this article. Higher conversion rates have nothing to do with whether the button is above the fold and everything to do with whether the button is below the right amount of good copy. That part is important. The right amount of good copy, all right? And of course, the question is, how much copy do you need? Um, now, here's what I was talking about. So. There are three combinations of prospects and offerings worth mentioning. One, pre-sold prospects who already want what you're offering when they arrive, like a contact form, or just come to buy a thing that they made up their mind about. Uncertain prospects, an offering that is very easy to understand and immediately see the value of. Number three, uncertain prospects with an offering that requires some explanation to see the value of, right? Yeah. So all three of these, like number one, if they've already made up their mind, it doesn't matter where the call to action is. Number two, if it's easy to understand and they can see the value, yeah, copy's gonna help. So you need to show that copy. Number three, uncertain, but you need, you need quite a bit of explanation. Yeah, of course, you're gonna need that copy. So the call to action of being above that copy, useless, right? Yeah. So have a read about that, okay? And I'm gonna go to some very recent one, recent ones. All right, there's two. Let's see, which one's more recent? June and February. Okay, let's go with, oh, June 2019 is older. Okay, so June 2019. Is staying above the fold still relevant in website design? It's uh, from a website called Impact BND, Impact Band. I don't know, Impact BND. I don't know. So um, there's a whole bunch about stuff about what the what above the fold is. Is it relevant? No. And here's why. 
Number one, scrolling is second nature to today's users. Yeah, no shit. Um, number two, there are too many different screen sizes to accurately predict the fold, which I don't know. This guy should be a little better with responsive design, but I don't know. I don't think so, but still, if the fold is a little short, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, number three, the way people buy has changed. Yeah, I think I saw an article somewhere about um, millennials, millennials from like late 30s, between mid 20s, I guess, those people. Um, they do quite a bit of research before they buy something. Yeah, so it's not like you see a button, you're like, oh, gimme, gimme, gimme. No, that, that doesn't happen. <laughs> All right, so what should I really be focusing on? Number one, putting the right information above the fold. Uh, number two, avoid creating false bottoms on your site. Ooh, this is something that you really might need to think about. Now, if you put, if you make it look like the website cannot be scrolled or does not need to be scrolled, if, if, if that above the fold content looks final, people might not scroll and you might lose a lot of people's um, well, a lot of um, scrolling, convincing for them to read the copy kind of stuff. All right, so yeah, that's 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 actually important. Um, another thing, let's let's see, um, what else? Oh, that's the end of the article. Yeah, so there we go. Don't you gotta help? You gotta make them scroll, and once they scroll, they get more convinced, and at the end of all that convincing, they will click that button. That's that's the idea, at least. All right, next. Uh, this is from protocol80.com and it is published, it has been published on February 13th, ah, oh, day after my birthday, February 13th, 2020. So there's a lot of numbers here and some things which is, which I think you really should check out. Now the one, a few things that I think is really important, a few numbers, uh, of course they have a whole bunch of numbers about why they need why you need a CTA yeah of course but here are some CTA optimization hacks now some numbers that you might need 90% um, content verve saw a 90% increase in click-through rate by using first-person phrasing for example start my free 30-day trial versus start your free 30-day trial start my works better 90% increase so try using a first-person uh, language right um, this is another really cool thing that I've read I don't know if it'll help that much but at least 26% increase in clicks by adding an arrow icon I think it's not just the arrow I think it is a subtle animation that's important but Maybe they have some, I hope they have, I hope somebody does the research on that. I really want to see that. But yeah, I think that's it. But still, if it, it's probably because if you, if you have an arrow, it shows that you go somewhere. It's clearer, so they might click that more. It's 20% increase, so at least it's not, you know, something that is like hugely apparent, but still, I guess it, it, it's helpful. Um, orange CTAs boosted their conversion by 32%. <laughs> so make it orange. Um, 
red CTAs are only 21% because it feels like stop, you know? So making CTAs look like buttons create 45% boosts. So that's important, of course. Not like a text link, you know, but a button, of course. Yeah, because it looks like something, it, your eyes go there and you're like, oh, I'm gonna do this. It shows an action, it feels like an action. Um, let's see, personalized CTAs convert 42% more, yeah. Uh, Neil Patel also found that users prefer to learn about the offer before clicking a CTA. Placing his CTA above the fold decreased conversions by 17%. It decreased. Another thing, reducing clutter around their CTA increased open miles conversion rate by 230%. So make it easy, make it clear around it, just give it enough space that it's right there. Okay, uh, here's another one with huge numbers. At the end of, end of a test where one variant placed the CTA above the fold and one placed it below the fold, the variant with the CTA below the fold generated a conversion lift of 304%. Yeah. All right, also number 13 in this list, adjusting the cover photo size and placing the CTA button right below the headline can generate a 47% in increase in click-through rate in their pricing page. Uh, yeah, so those guys, I guess, people clicked on that stuff more. Yeah, so I hope you get this, you know? It's not like you, you want people to do an action, you need to convince them to do that, do that action, otherwise they're going to bounce. If you put it, if that's the first thing that you lead in with, you're not going to do it. Think about it as people, like you're walking by, somebody wants you to sign up for something and donate to like dogs and you're like oh I like dogs and they keep talking about dogs they keep try, trying to talk to you make make themselves more personable and then they're like hey can you can sign this and spend and send money to these dogs and you're like yeah as opposed to hey 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 spend some money on some dogs or donate for dogs and you're risking like no no I don't know you no and just walk away right that's the difference so Trying to make the website as loud as possible above the fold, just no use. It's just shouting at people who are not convinced yet. So no, all right? Yeah. Okay, um, that is actually quite long. I've been recording this for a lot longer than I thought I would, but I, I really need to go over some really links real quickly. I'll just give, a, give it a second for the next jingle. So because I spent way more time than I thought I would on this, and this is actually a lot, a lot of stuff that I thought I think is really interesting. Um, I just want to add some more stuff. So we're back, and I have only a few stuff that I want to talk about that here today, and some other stuff that I think is really cool. I'll use that next week. Uh, so one, two things, three things I guess is because I was doing. Maybe because I'm redesigning my website, uh, these articles stood out. But um, there's one about updating your portfolio, reasons to update your portfolio. Thing is, I don't, my portfolio website, not even there. It's just it's just a blank uh, contact form, and just nothing. I I really I I have I've working on the proof for such a long time. I've never gotten around to doing that. It's actually been a year now. 
I really need to get my portfolio done. But my .com website, um, I, I'm re redesigning that, and it's because you know things. But they ha there's a list uh, that shows there's a list that talks about um, what like excuses that you you have reasons that you have to update your portfolio. I think it's um, worth checking out and if it applies to you, yeah, go do it. And like for me, I should actually uh, finish <laughs> making that website. Um, and on this, in the same vein, I think the next one uh, from Dribble is about getting your personal brand to stand out. And it's a little too, it's a little long, but it's, it's, it's really worth at least scrolling through and seeing the major headlines. You know, um, it's, it talks about all the kind of stuff that uh, being consistent and all that, uh, just trying to be different, show who you are from your personal brand and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, uh, check that out. Last one is about Instagram stories, Instagram stories that don't suck. Now, why are Instagram stories important? I think if you're gonna do your personal brand and if you're gonna update your portfolio, you might as well have one, one kind of social preference, social media uh, presence with at least one social media platform, right? And Instagram's a hot thing right now, but the reason why they talked about stories and the reason why I think stories are important is because uh, stories, are the main thing that Instagram is pushing because they want to take take out Snapchat. So, it, whenever a service is trying to push something, that gets top billing, right? It goes to the top. So, if you're pushing a lot of stories, if you want your Instagram to do well, do a lot of stories. I don't do it because I don't give a shit. <laughs> but <laughs> if you if you want to, try doing that and it will help. So uh, check out how to make your Instagram stories a little better and Instagram will, because Instagram's promoting stories, use that to leverage a little bit more of your social presence. All right, okay. Um, so uh, thanks for stopping by, thanks for listening. Uh, I think, I hope, I hope this episode has helped you see things in a different way, at least about the call to actions and above the fold. So I will see, I will talk to you, I'll talk to you in the next episode and wash your hands, stay safe, take care, bye-bye.